What a joy it is to be in the house, to be with you, Omni Fellowship, on this morning. What a wonderful time of worship. Let's thank God for the worship team and the wonderful job that they've done. I uh, want to publicly and appreciatively, appreciatively acknowledge and thank God for my friend, Pastor Valentine, for inviting me to come and have the opportunity to share with you guys. Um, I got some news this morning uh, as I was waiting for the service to start that I wasn't aware of. Uh, and if you know Valentine, you know he doesn't like a lot of fanfare, but uh, today is his birthday. And I'm sure he'll have something to me to, to say to me about that uh, later on. Uh, but happy birthday, man. Uh, you get, you're getting old. 44, 44. Uh, so if you don't mind, I know time is of the essence. So if you don't mind, I'm going to pray. And then we'll dig into the word and see what God has to say. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy in our lives. We thank you, God, for your word. That is indeed a roadmap to life to show us, God, how to live for you, to live on mission, uh, to live in a way that honors you. Uh, we pray, God, that in these moments that we have together, that you indeed would be glorified, God, and that we would be reminded afresh that you are both priest, prophet, and king, God, and that all glory indeed belongs to you. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles or your cell phones or your iPads or whatever apparatus you have, uh, if you could meet me in the gospel according to Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, the very last chapter, chapter 28, uh, starting at verse 18. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 18. Uh, very familiar passage and one that I, my prayer, my hope is will challenge us um, to do better and be better uh, and be convicted because we know better. Uh, when you have it, say amen. If you need more time, say hold up. Okay, we'll hold up. All right, I want you to catch up with us. All right, Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 19. And the word of God reads as such. And Jesus came and said unto them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age, with mission for God, living on mission for God. For some time now, um, I have been dialoguing with Valentine uh, about the exciting and inspirational things that are going on in the life of Omni Fellowship. And he calls me, and whenever we talk, he has this joyous heart when he shares with me how God continues to do incredible things in the life of your church and how he continues to bring people together and knit hearts and connect hearts around the mission for this local body of believers. As many of you know, we've been friends for quite some time, and throughout through the years, I've seen and heard his heart be overwhelmed with the desire for Omni to be a place where all people are welcomed. Doesn't matter about your race, ethnicity, social status, background, don't, doesn't matter if you have a sordid past, it doesn't matter. He wants Omni to be a place where all people are welcomed. He just wants you to come and experience God, to hear the word 
to understand and grow deeper in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants Omni Fellowship to be a selfless, loving conduit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not long ago, Valentine called me and he was excited and he began to share with me uh, what he felt encapsulated the mission of Omni Fellowship and even why Omni Fellowship exists and what he shared with me even set my heart on fire. On fire. In fact, when he told me about it, we, we laughed, we preached, we talked through it and there's this running joke between the two of us is that whenever he calls me, whether it's morning, noon, or day, he says, I'm always in preacher mode. I'm always ready to talk about the scriptures. But what excited me the most about this conversation was what he shared with me because I felt like he nailed it. He really got it right. Omni Fellowship exists to believe, live, and share Jesus Christ. For me, it's perfect. That's perfect. It's simple yet biblically and theologically profound. And it's really what every church ought to be about. And not just the local church. It's really what every Christian should be about. To believe deeply in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To live out the gospel freely in community with other believers. And finally, to boldly share the gospel of Jesus Christ for the expansion of God's kingdom here on earth. But even the order that he gave it to me in excited me. Because, because he says that we, his goal and his desire for Omni was that we would believe deeply. Not just a surface belief, but a deep conviction about who Christ is and what he's done and how he suffered on the cross and took on the sins of the world and how he died that we might live. It's a deep conviction that you would deeply believe in the gospel. So much so that your life would be transformed and that because of your deep belief in, in the gospel, every area and every aspect of our lives would be transforming. We would be able to live out gospel in community with other believers, but not just other believers. We would be able to live out the gospel everywhere we go, on our jobs, in our families, at the gas station, at Little League games, at, at everywhere we go, even at the grocery store, that we would be able to live out the gospel. But we come in contact with people, they would know that we're on mission and that we're living for Jesus Christ. That we would be so impacted by the gospel that we, could, we would develop what I call an irreversible, life-altering condition called can't help it. I just can't help but completely have good news of this incredible and amazing and loving Savior that has completely and radically changed my life. And not only my life, but life, the life of millions of people across the world. I can't help but share this love story of Jesus Christ, the one who came and lived a sinless life that we didn't have the ability to live, who paid a Sin debt that he did not owe. One that was beaten, spat upon, had flesh literally ripped from his body. All not because he had to, but because he loved us. And that's the question. Whenever I think about that imagery in my mind, what took place on that cross and how Jesus Christ suffered, our Savior suffered on our behalf, I have to ask myself, man, because I know me, I know the mistakes I make, I know how filthy I am, and I, ask, I have to ask myself sometimes, why? And the answer is real simple. It's love. Because he loved us. He came and lived a life that we could not live, paid a debt, 
that we did not owe, received a beating he did not deserve, and was nailed on an old rugged cross, only to become the object of Scripture's greatest paradox, to die that you and I might live both now and eternally. Is that in light of our knowledge of who he is, in light of our knowledge of the fact that we are in him and that he is in us, those of us that have placed our faith in the finished work of Christ, and in light of our understanding of what he's done for us, what should our individual and collective response be? How should we respond in light of that? What should be the response of the local church? In our text this morning, Matthew shares with us in verse 19 a very direct and explicit instructions on what our mission is. And it's very simple. The mission of the church is to make disciples. To make disciples. This this singular imperative assignment is given to the disciples. And that same assignment that was given to the disciples is the same assignment that's been given to us. In 1940s, the United States ship line presented a proposal to build a new ship called the SS United States. And this was a grand project. It had a price tag of some $80 million. And the government was so excited about it, they even invested $50 million of their own money. And the the purpose for this expansive vessel uh, uh, was to transport some 10,000 troops into war should we find ourselves in that situation. In 1952, the USS, the, the SS United States set sail, but it didn't set sail with its original intent. It, it, it was originally intended to, to be a troop carrier, but it, instead it set sail as a transatlantic travel ship. And it carried out its mission, set records, uh, did, did the job well. And, and even the records that it set, set still exist today, but it was never used for its intended purpose as a troop carrier. In fact, it became more of a luxury liner to cater to the rich, the wealthy, the aristocrat, the well-to-do. And in 1969, the USS, the US United States made its last journey. And since 1996, it's been in dock in Pier 82 in Delaware as a tourist attraction. Omni Fellowship this morning, we are reminded afresh that the local church is a troop carrier. We're not a luxury liner. The church is a war vessel with a special mission. We're not a tourist attraction. We are on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. And in our text this morning, we receive our last and greatest command from our commander in chief. And that command was and continues to be the first priority of the church. And that is to make disciples. That's the command. That's the commission. That's the charge to make this to to make disciples. But for us to do that, we must first understand what a disciple is. And and I've read enough. I've listened to podcasts. I've had conversations. I've discussed discipleship. And depending on who you talk to, you'll get varied definitions about what exactly a disciple is. And so for the sake of time and clarity, I want to offer this simple definition. A disciple is a follower of Christ and one who is being changed by Christ and one who is committed to live on mission for Christ. How then does one become a follower of Christ? That answer is very simple, too, by placing their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Well, then how then does one come into the knowledge or even hear about who Christ is? Romans 10 and 14 says, how then will they call upon one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they've never heard? 
And how are they to hear without someone preaching? In other words, the gospel must be declared and shared. And guess whose responsibility it is to do that? It's not just Pastor Valentine. It's not just pastors and preachers. It is all of our responsibility to share the good news of Jesus Christ. But notice I said the last command, not suggestion. It's important. That's important to remember. I say that because more often than not, and unfortunately, the Great Commission gets treated like it's a great suggestion. The Great Commission ends up becoming the great omission in the life of the local church and in the life of its members. And so how then, Omni Fellowship, do we live on mission for Christ and carry out the marching orders to make disciples? In our text this morning, the Bible gives us four things we must do to ensure that we are living on mission for Jesus Christ and making disciples. The first thing we must do to live on mission is to, and carry out our assignment is, is, is found in the, the mission statement of Omni. The first thing we must do to live on mission is believe. We must believe deeply in the declaration that's made in verse 18, that all authority has been given to Jesus. What a bold declaration of sovereign authority of Christ. But don't get it confused because verse 18 is not the, com the, the, the commission. Because if verse 18 isn't true, then verse 19 is not possible. The text says that all authority has been given to Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 15 through 20 says, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him, him being Jesus Christ, and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that every, every, in, every, in everything in him he might be preeminent for for in him all the fullness of God is pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross. He has all power. He has all authority. And he has all power. And we must believe that deeply. When my son was uh, a kid, my son was gifted, was a gifted athlete. Uh, even at the age of five, we figured out that this guy was pretty good. Now, you know, they say, you know, that's usually passed down uh, through gen genetics. You know, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, that's what I've read. That's what I've heard. I don't know. Uh, but he was a gifted athlete. Uh, so much so that just at a very early age, we found ourselves, my wife and I, traipsing around all around uh, the community, going from one game to one track meet to one basketball game. He was actually a three-sport athlete. He played basketball, football, and track all the way up to probably the seventh grade. And for much of that time, I was his coach, either the head coach or the assistant coach. I was coach, involved in coaching him some kind of way. And just like any coach, I took pride in what I did. We played to win. And, and when we did, uh, partly because I had a great team of young guys that really believed in me and they believed in the mission that we're about. And they they understood what I was trying to teach them. And also we had this little kid named Corey Anderson. I'm just saying uh, that was really good, really gifted athlete. But we had a, a lot of gifted athletes and they had the ability and the power to make plays and to cut on a dime, to take it to the rack, to, 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 to put it in the hoop. They had this tremendous ability and some of them went on to play high school and division one college sports and some, a couple of them went on to play in the league. 
And you know, once they get to the league, they get these fat contracts and they get all the perks that go with being a professional athlete, but they still have to perform on the field. They still have to produce. And so when they're on the field, they get to exercise the God-given power and talent to to make the right moves, to, to, to make the right pass, to score, to run fast. But even when they're on the field, as much power as they have, there's one person on the field that has more power than they do, and that is the referee. Because at any given moment, he can stop, he can penalize, he can void, he can push back, he can move forward. He has all the power. They have power. They have the fat contracts. They have all all the other stuff that they have. But he has that whistle. And he can make. Jesus reminds us that he has all authority over heaven and earth. And no one can rule overrule his authority. The assurance for us is that if he, has, if he has all authority, then that means no one else has all authority. He has all authority. He has all power. He has all authority both in the heavenly realm and in the earthly realm over all people and all things. He has all power. And the good news for us as believers is that we're called to live on mission for him. And we're endowed and empowered by his spirit to live boldly. To live on mission with full assurance that he is in control. But it starts with our belief in that truth. Our belief that he is indeed the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. Our belief that he's Lord, liberator, savior, and king. Our belief that he is the promised Messiah of days of old. Our belief that he is indeed king of kings and Lord of lords. Our belief that he is indeed the one sent by God to reign both now and forevermore. And because he is in us and we are in him, it is no longer we that live, but Christ that lives in us. And the life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God, not in stuff, not in things, not in people, but we live by faith leave and so if you like if anyone's here and you like the disciples you find yourselves doubting because the text says that in 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 verse uh i think 16 or 17 it says that when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted and when you study that word doubted it literally means they just hesitated and so maybe you're here, somebody's here this morning, and you, you want to believe in the authority of Jesus Christ, but something is t- telling you, I'm not quite sure. Maybe you're doubting. But the proof that, that, that he is who he said he was, that he does in fact have all authority, is the fact that he was even alive to make the claim. Because at this point in Matthew, the, the death, burial, and resurrection has already taken place. He was betrayed, convicted, beaten, buried, resurrected, and raised from the dead. And it is the resurrection that Jesus, in the resurrection, Jesus solidifies the claim and removes all doubt by declaring that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He rose with all power. The second thing we must do to carry out our assignment to make disciples is go. Now, this is where it gets interesting. It says go. Now, depending on the version that you have, some says go therefore and some says therefore go. But anytime, I don't have to tell you, tell you this, but anytime you see the word therefore in the text, you know it's there for a reason. And so in this particular passage, Jesus is saying, therefore, in light of the fact that you know and recognize and believe that I have all authority, in light of the fact that I'm commissioning you, in light of the fact that I've been hanging out with you for the last three years, in light of the fact that I've poured into you, I've taught you what it means to live for me and to live on mission, I've hung out with you, I've prayed for you, I've poured into you, I've invested in you, in light of all of that, now go and do for somebody else what I've done for you. 
Go and make disciples. This word go literally means as you are going. It's not a one-time occurrence. It's every day. It's a perpetual going. As you go, make disciples. As you are going. It's not a circumstantial going. It's going with an express intent to reach the unreached. Jesus came with the express intent to seek and save the lost. And what's important to Jesus, his mission should be our mission. What's important to him should be important to us. And lost people matter to God. And what matters to him ought to matter to us. His mission is our mission. That mission involves sharing the gospel and ultimately making disciples. But let's take it a step further. It's not just to make disciples of those we naturally come in contact with, although that's a challenge, because sometimes sharing your faith with family members and people that you're familiar with is oftentimes the most difficult uh, a challenge to opportunity to share our faith. But it, it also means to, we have to go out to get outside of our comfort zones, to go out in the highways and byways, to go to Oak Cliff and to go to DeSoto and go to Lancaster and go to Cedar Hill and go to all South Dallas and West Dallas and North Dallas. We need to go. As we're going, we ought to be about making disciples. We need to be going out into the communities, going out into the, the neighborhoods, going out to the marketplace and sharing our faith. You, the, then if that is the case, then that's what we, got, we, we must be about. And we must be bold with it. The mission of the church is not to build bigger buildings and have all of these robust programs. And I'm not against that because I believe that a lot of churches, not all, but some churches, many churches grow because people's lives are being changed by the good news of the Jesus Christ. Ministries are important because we want to go deeper. We want to go wider. We want to be able to minister to and meet the needs of those in the community. And so I'm not against that at all. But because we want to go deeper and we want to have a far-reaching impact, but we must not lose sight of the first and main thing, and that is to go and make disciples. The third thing we must do to live on mission for Christ and to carry out his assignment is we must baptize. Not long ago, I saw some just incredible photos that you guys placed online where you had an outdoor baptism. And what a joy it is to see people who have profess their faith in Jesus Christ, and now they're doing, making a public profession of that, 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 that faith that they placed in Jesus Christ. And, and I've had conversations with Pastor Valentine. He shared with me that you guys are going through this series, this phase in the life of the church where you're trying to discover what, it, what are the marks of a Christian. And one of the marks of a Christian is that when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you take on a new identity. You're, you're no longer identified simply by your skin color or your race or your ethnicity or your class. You are identified by your relationship and your connection to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when one is immersed in water, when one engages in baptism, that is simple, simply an outward expression of the transformation that's already taken place on the inside. Baptism doesn't save. Uh, but it's literally us identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is, the, it is the symbolic of the washing away of the old you and the coming forth of a new you in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. This idea of being baptized 
into suggests a coming into a relationship with God as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ. And the fourth thing we must do to live on mission for Christ and to carry out his, his assignment is we've got to teach. We've got to teach. So many people that I run into, they want to live for Christ. They want to live for the Lord, but they just don't know because they haven't been taught. Or what they've been taught is the wrong thing. So we as the, the local body of believers, we must be faithful to faithful biblical teaching. And we have to give to others what's been given to us. It's amazing. If I took a poll and I said, show of hands, but how many of you uh, in here have placed your faith in the finished work of Christ? Many of you would raise your hand. And it's amazing how we forget that we weren't always where we are in our walk now. At some point, somebody took the time to answer our rudimentary questions about God, about Jesus Christ, about the church, about what it means to be saved. Somebody took time to invest in us, to answer our questions. But we, yet we don't want to do that same thing and invest and take the time to pour into others. When someone places their faith in Christ, it's because someone shared their faith, they've been connected to a local church, and now once they're connected to the local church, the idea is that they would mature and walk with them and help them mature in their understanding of who Christ is and who they are in Christ. It is the mission of the local church. We are to teach. We are to give them sound biblical teaching. The text says we are to teach them to observe all that Jesus has commanded. That's our responsibility. And we don't get to make this editorial change. We don't get to change the instruction. The instructions have already been written. Our job is to carry out the instructions. For 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says that all Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness so that the men and women of God may be equipped for every good work. Paul says in Acts 20, uh, and, uh, 20 and 26, I'm innocent of the blood of all men because I did not shrink back from preaching to you the whole counsel of God. Paul says, hey, if you don't get it, if you don't heed to it, it's not because I didn't tell you. I told you. I gave it to you. The whole counsel of God. I taught you. I shared it with you. And as I read that passage, I was reminded uh, of a time several years ago uh, when I was living in North Dallas, in an apartment complex in North Dallas, and to be honest with you, this was before I trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior, so I, just a moment of transparency, I was living in sin. Uh, and there was a young man that I would see in the apartment complex from time to time. He would be going to work, and I'm going to work. We'd see each other. Coming home, we'd see each other. We'd see each other at the mailbox. We saw each other in the apartment complex. And one day, we began to strike up a conversation. And we were both Dallas Cowboy fans. We were both sports fans. And he invited me to his apartment to hang out, watch Monday Night Football. And so, okay, I'm a sports fan. I go hang out with you, new buddy. Go up. We watch football together uh, on Monday night. The next Monday night rolls around. He knocks on the door, invites me over again. I'll go over. And what I notice is that every time I would go over to his house, he'd have his Bible laying open on the table. And about the third time I went by, I said, well, man, listen, let me just ask you a question. Every time I come over here, I see the Bible laying out on the coffee table. Now, I wasn't adverse to Christianity. I, I, I didn't have a personal intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, but I knew of him. I just didn't know a lot about him. I, did, I, I wasn't saved. And so I asked him, I said, every time I come over here, you have this Bible laying out on the table. And he began to share with me his journey. 
Now, he didn't quote a thousand scriptures. He didn't know, he didn't know the Bible backwards and forwards, but he began to share with me what Christ had done for him. And he, then he shared the good news of the gospel, and he invited me to church. And I went to church, and I kept going, and I kept going. And one faithful Sunday, the gospel invitation was extended, and I got up, and I placed my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I didn't live perfect after that. I still made mistakes. I still sin. I still struggle. But the process had begun. And it was all because he took the time to share his faith, to share the gospel. We have to be willing to share our faith. If we are to make disciples, inherent in that command is that they are believers. They cannot believe if they've not heard and trusted, heard the gospel and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in light of the fact that we are fully aware of what our responsibility is, in light of the fact that we're fully aware of what we should be doing, which is to go, to make disciples, to teach them, to baptize, all under the understanding that Jesus Christ has all authority. If we are aware of that, here's my struggle with that. Omni-fellowship. And for me too, really, why is it that we struggle with that? Why is it that we struggle with sharing our faith? Why is it that we struggle with making disciples? Now, we could have another hour or so conversation about all the varying things that impact our ability to make disciples or impact our ability to share our faith. But I want to offer up for consideration three things before I take my that we don't have true compassion for the lost. We've gotten comfortable in our Christianity and we don't have true compassion for the lost. Matthew 9 and in Matthew 28, that's the great commission. In Matthew 9 is the great compassion. Matthew 9 and 36 says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray earnestly, not just pray, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, to send laborers out into the harvest. Now, there's a whole lot in that passage that we could really unpack, but for the sake of time, I just want to focus on one word, and that is compassion. And when you study that word compassion in, in the original language, it's not just a surface compassion. It is a compassion that, that it is a deep, deep, deep down into the depths and the, the bowels of Jesus Christ. It is a deep compassion, a deep hurting for those that were broken, for those that were lost. And my question is, why don't we hurt like that for the people that are lost? Why are we not bothered when we run into people and we come in contact with people that are lost, that do not know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we know for sure are outside of the ark of safety? Why does that not bother us? Should not our hearts break for those that are broken? My prayer is that for me and for us that we would have that same compassion that Jesus Christ had. That we would hurt for those that we come in contact with that we know are not saved. All of us in here know somebody. Whether it's on your job, in your community, in your family. All of us know somebody that, that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the question is, have you shared your faith with them? You've been in proximity with them. I've been in proximity with them. Have you shared your faith? I had a neighbor, Mr. Tyrone. Uh, he was like the neighborhood guy. Everybody loved Tyrone. 
Everybody loved Tyrone. He, he took care of the kids. He watched the house when you went out of town. He knew everything that was going on in the neighborhood. Everybody knew Mr. Tyrone. And he and I would meet at the mailbox, and we would have conversations. And this went on for years. And then one day, I, pretty soon, I stopped seeing Tyrone. Week went by. Two weeks went by. Three weeks. And, and I started asking my neighbors. I said, have you seen Tyrone? They said, well, you hadn't heard? He's sick. He's in the house. He just doesn't come out much. I said, well, you know what? To myself, I said, I need to get over there and see Tyrone but I'm busy. I'm too busy. Another week go by, another week go by. The neighbor comes to me this time. She said, have you heard? I said, no, have I heard? What? She said, Tyrone passed. My heart was ripped because I had the opportunity to share plenty of opportunity. Now, God doesn't need me to save Tyrone, but I shirked my responsibility for someone that I loved, that I cared about, I didn't take advantage of the opportunity to share my faith. The second thing I think that precludes us is we feel inadequate. And that's a myth that is perpetuated in the church. We feel inadequate. I don't share my faith because I don't know, have all the answers. Somebody's going to ask me something that I don't know. Uh, I I can't share my faith because I just don't know what to say. I'm, I'm just not comfortable with that. But guess what? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about how we feel. It's about what we are commanded to do. And here's the good news. The scripture tells us when we do it, we're not alone. He has all authority. And if we really believe that and we know that we're indwelt with the power of God, we're endowed with his spirit, then all we have to do is avail ourselves and be available to be used by God and go and do what it is he's called us to do and leave the results to him. I don't bear the burden as to whether or not somebody trusts Christ. My responsibility is to share the good news of Jesus Jesus Christ. That's my responsibility. 2 Corinthians 5 said we are ambassadors speaking on his behalf. And if we're ambassadors speaking on his behalf, we should not neglect our responsibility. And finally, the last thing that I think gets in the way, don't have time. We're not willing to have our lives interrupted. I was coming out of Kroger one day. Uh, gentleman getting in, coming out of the grocery store, walking to my car. Guy comes up to me and he says, he says, hey, man, do you have some money I can give you? I said, man, listen, I don't have any money. He said, but I'm hungry. I need something to eat. I said, well, I tell you what, if you're really serious, stay right here. I'm going to go into the store and I'm going to get you something to eat. So I go into the store. I give him, I buy him a loaf of bread, lunch meat, cheese, chips drink, fruit. I bring it out. He waited. I come out. I give him the lunch. He's so thankful. He said, well, man, can you give me a ride down the street? And I normally don't do this, but the Holy Spirit was whispering to me, be obedient. So I gave this guy a ride down the street, took him to where he was going, dropped him off, never saw him again. About six or seven months later, same parking lot. I'm getting out of the car, this time going into the store. And as I'm going this way, this guy is coming toward me. And he stops me and he says, man, you look familiar. And, and I'm looking at him like, mm, I don't know you. Uh, but he says, you look for me. I said, well, you know, we go through the pleasantries of, well, did you go to high school? Did you go to Carter High School? No, I didn't go to Carter High School. Did you go to... We go through all of that trying to figure out how we know each other. And Ryan gave me a ride that day. And the moment he said that, I recognized him. He had cleaned himself up. 
He had a haircut. He was clean shaven. He had on a clean shirt. He had on starched jeans and nice tennis shoes. He said, man, you gave me a ride and you shared Jesus Christ with me that day. And since that day, I connected with my sister and I've been going to church. I moved in with her. I've gotten my life on track and I'm doing well. And I just want to thank you for taking time that day to share the good news of Jesus Christ with me. And that's what we have to do. We have to be willing to let our lives be interrupted. And be obedient to the prompting of the Spirit. The Spirit of God doesn't always yell, but he creates opportunities. He opens windows of opportunity, and we must seize the moment to share our faith. Why? Because we deeply believe in the gospel. And it infects every area of our lives, and we're able to to live freely in light of that. And then to share Jesus Christ. Love says, I must tell somebody. When the Spirit of God opens up that window of opportunity, we must seize the moment. The text says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I've commanded you. And then it says this, lo, I will be with you every step of the way. You're not alone. When you share your faith, the Spirit of God has gone before you. He sovereignly created that moment in time. When you give of yourself to make disciples and invest in people, that's what we're supposed to do. And God is with us in that process. Just like somebody was with the person that invested in you. Our responsibility is to do for others what's been done for us. We must be about making disciples. I think there in the front of your seats or somewhere in your chairs, there's a gospel share card. Uh, If you do me a favor and grab that gospel share card, uh, I believe if they're not in the seats, maybe they can be handed out. Uh, There's a gospel share card. And while they're getting those cards, and if you have the card, get it out. And I want you to take a moment and just think of somebody that you know on your job in your family, in your community, in your neighborhood that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I want you to write that name on the card. Because my challenge to you, Omni Fellowship, is for you to pray over that card all this week, every night, every morning. Pray, not just for the person, but pray that the Spirit of God will open up a window of opportunity for you to share the good news of the Jesus Christ, and then pray that you would be obedient, that we would be obedient and seize that moment. Seize that moment. Pray. Write that name down. If you need a card, raise your hand. We want to make sure that everybody gets a card. If you need a card, raise your hand. Take a moment and think about that. And if you know two or three people, write those names down. It doesn't just have to be one person. Write as many names down as you want to. But in writing it, my prayer is that 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 written name is a commitment that you're making to do two things, to pray for for them, to pray, but then to pray three things, to pray for them, to then to pray for the opportunity to share the gospel with them and pray that you would be able to respond obediently, that you would not let fear or intimidation or any other excuse get in the way when that moment is presented. Remember, you're not responsible for whether or not they respond but you are responsible for whether or not you share.
So take a moment and think of that person that you know is outside of the ark of safety. And then I want you to close your eyes and I want you to pray even right affection person. That even right now their hearts would be stirred up with affection toward Jesus Christ and that the, the soil of their life and their heart would be till it up that it would be ready to receive the seed of the gospel and that that seed would be planted and that it would grow and that they would become followers of Jesus Christ and in turn go and make other followers of Jesus Christ. Pray, pray Omni Fellowship and then I'm going to pray. suggestion but the command the commissioning that you've given us to make disciples to boldly share our faith we're, con we're convicted and collectively and individually by the fact that we have been negligent many of us in this area and I pray oh God that after today we that would no longer be the case that because we believe deeply in the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're empowered to live freely, that we will be bold in our witness for you. We pray even right now for those persons that in our family that we know are not safe, that we know have not placed their faith in the finished work of Christ. And I pray, oh God, that you will embolden us to be obedient when you make that opportunity available for us to share. That we would not hesitate, that we would not procrastinate, that we would not offer up some type of excuse, not that we would not say that we don't have time or we feel inadequate, that none of that would be the case. I pray, God, that our hearts would be broken. That we would experience the same type of gut-wrenching compassion that Jesus did in Matthew 9. That we would experience that for those that are lost. That we would be reminded, God, that we weren't always where we are. That somebody told us about Jesus Christ. And our responsibility is to do for someone else. That's our prayer. That's our plea this morning. In Jesus' name. Now, if you're here this morning and you're visiting with us or you're here this morning and you have not personally placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, today is a good day to do that. To say, you know what? I know that I'm not safe. Much less me trying to help somebody else be safe. I'm not safe. I haven't trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And if that's you, today can be the day that you experience an identity change. 
that you connect with Jesus Christ in a real tangible and loving way. If that's you today, I believe there's a card, Pastor Valentine, a believe card that you can fill out so that Omni Fellowship can get in contact with you so that they can love you and pray for you and share with you more in depth the good news of the gospel so you understand really what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're here today and you've trusted Jesus Christ, but you know, and you're honest, you're engaging in self-reflection, uh, and you know that I'm struggling with some areas. There's some areas of my, of my life that I really need to, that God will help you to repent from that behavior, to repent from that sin, so that you can do better and be better and live in a, in a greater way for him. And maybe you're struggling so much, you just need somebody to pray for you. You need to know that we can take care of that also. If you're here and you need prayer, there are prayer partners that will meet you out by the joy table and they will be willing to pray for you about any situation, any circumstance, anything that you, that's going on in your life. We have prayer partners that will meet you and pray for you. And now, Omni, as we prepare to transition to the final phase of our service which is communion as we seek to remember what Christ did for us on the cross not only communion, communion but as we prepare for offering we pray I pray that you would get your hearts right so that we can give in a liberal and loving way that's commiserate to how good God has been to us and so I ask Omni Fellowship that you pray and as you pray for each other and for the person that, that God is going to use you to impact with the gospel. As you pray, Pastor Valentine is going to come and lead us in communion. God bless you.